Welcome to the Hemos Unite podcast, your podcast for support, inspiration, and information in the bleeding disorder community. I am your host, Maddie Van. I am only your host. I am not a doctor. I do not give medical advice, nor do my guests. This podcast is for entertainment, idea exchange, and support only. For your personal situation, please seek out your HTC or medical professional. everybody. Welcome to the pod. Thank you so much for joining us. Today we have an awesome guest. I love this young man. I was lucky enough to meet him when we landed in Arizona at, I think it was a Novo dinner. We were sitting across from him and it turns out we have a ton in common. He is a student at my alma mater. He has the same kind of views that I do on uh, eating and um, how we can impact the world. So it was a great friendship that I hope continues. And everyone that I talk to loves this guy as much as I do. So I hope that you will hear his enthusiasm for life and just hear how his amazing brain works and think of him as a resource that you can call on if you have any questions, especially if you're a college student dealing with hemophilia. Before we get into his pod, I want to thank Shire for sponsoring the podcast. For over 60 years, Shire's been making a difference in the lives of people with bleeding disorders through pioneering products and programs. A six decades long legacy with one goal in mind, helping you live a life free of bleeds, but full of dreams. Learn more at bleedingdisorders.com. Now here is our pod and you know, my editing skills are amazing, so Of course, we're going to start the pod mid-sentence, but we're talking about how Chaitan found out that he, or his family found out that he had hemophilia. So here you go. Enjoy. So uh, I was born and raised in San Jose, California, and uh, was diagnosed with hemophilia at birth. My parents weren't aware of uh, what the condition was entirely, uh, but they noticed that after I was born, uh, the doctors um, had used some kind of suction devices to pull me out, essentially. And uh, that had caused some um, bleeding between my skull and scalp. So luckily, no internal bleeding, you know, hemorrhaging in the brain, but and it wouldn't stop. The, the, the bleeding wouldn't stop. So they were sitting out, you know, in the outside the emergency room, just not knowing what was happening to their child. And, uh, you know, that's when it struck my dad that uh, what happened to uh, your two brothers? He, he tells to my mom's um, they both passed away with this uh, mysterious, you know, bruising and bleeding and, and then it clicked two and two together. And so my dad rushed in the emergency room, told the doctors what he thought it was. They tested me and I came up positive for uh, hemophilia. Um, And that's how I'm here today. Yeah. So it was a, it was a close call, but that, that incidence, remembering that incidence, uh, you know, recited to me, uh, keeping that story in mind has just been incredibly humbling factor in like how I make decisions now to this day. I mean, if if I could have been just one one little, you know, memory away from death, uh, then then why let you know, anything stop me or all the good that I want to do for other people, uh, you know, who could be in a similar situation, who are in similar situations now and in the future. Is that how yeah, you so, govern your life? Yes. Um, now, there are ups and downs. That's not to say, you know, the, the whole self-help guru um, philosophy of always be positive, always look on the bright side and be optimistic uh, is how I govern myself at all. Um, I, I think there's nuance to it. Um, and, you know, with, with that in mind, like we, 
I I'm a big I'm a big watcher of cartoons and, and stuff like that. And uh, Rick and Morty actually had done an, an amazing episode on um, uh, really commentary on self help gurus and taking that ideology to ex an extreme of positivity, uh, unvolitional positivity, you know, non warranted. And uh, their entire point for that for that episode was that self doubt is a good thing in moderation and it can moderate oneself in that you know they won't they won't alienate the people around them with unbridled uh energy uh almost like you know someone is uh is just absolutely crazy um so exactly yeah no it, it's it's about it's about in positivity uh and realism i think that's how i govern myself understanding the circumstances and then coming up with the best outlook for those given circumstances if one doesn't have self-doubt then how can they evaluate whether or not a given place that they're in, say good or bad, is is right for them? So, like, say someone you know uh, wants to become a doctor, but they they're going to school for something else, and you know they have they have that moment of that critical moment of self doubt at that juncture to whether or not it's worth it for them practically to become a doctor or to go into this other field, and if if one doesn't have that you know image they can they can crash and burn that that moment of of thinking through thinking critically in that in that critical juncture like for myself you know what i've gone through recently has been has been tendonitis and seeing myself you know just how my mental state has been uh it's it's changed dramatically from before um before march uh, just for some background, I'm in the National Youth Leadership Institute uh, through the National Hemophilia Foundation. And, uh, you know, we we all went to uh, Washington, D.C. to do advocacy. And I went on behalf of the uh, Arizona Hemophilia Association for patient protections and, uh, you know, just general awareness, uh, things like that, talking to Congress uh, members. And uh, prior to that, I used to run about four miles a day, my target joint is uh, my left ankle. Uh, and so as someone who has arthritis in there and still being able to do that for so many years uh, has been a really fortunate gift. And I realize now that that was a gift. It wasn't, I wasn't something I was entitled to necessarily. Um, and, you know, going to, going to advocacy days, I had used some dress shoes and I remember distinctly, uh, and I go back to this moment repeatedly in my mind, uh, when Sarah Warner from uh, NHF announces, do not wear dress shoes. You will regret it uh, when walking because you'll be doing a lot of walking. And I think to myself, oh, I have insoles. I'll be fine. I end up getting tendonitis because I didn't listen. And I didn't think you know, critically about that because I didn't have the doubt in myself to, to evaluate you know, what, what is actually rational, what is good, uh, what is good for me. Uh, I just like, oh yeah, general positivity. Let's do this. Um, and then because of that, you know, the, within a few hours, I was I was unable to walk at all. And you know, it's it's been very difficult. Like there have been some pretty dark places that I've gone to these past few months because uh, my recovery hasn't been as quick and fast and immediate as I possibly wanted. And whenever I'm getting better, uh, there's this moment where suddenly I think I was comparable to what I was before the incident. And I end up harming my own self. And I end up going back to all of these critical junctures to where I don't evaluate and think it through. But you know what? 
regardless of all of that negativity, regardless of, you know, where I've gone, there's only one thing to do and it's to live. And I mean, the moment that I go into this dark place and then stay there is the moment that I lose. And the moment that so many people lose, they lose themselves, they lose everything else. Because once you, once you give up the fight, you've already lost. And what I, what I'm struggling with right now and what I constantly keep in mind is that this fight is not over. And you know what? I'm, I'm getting much better now, um, mentally with my health or the least talked about issues in the bleeding disorder community is, is a mental state that so many of our, of our patients go through, uh, as far as, yeah. Um, and yeah, do you, do you have any questions? Sorry, I've been I, going on. For no, like, I do. Uh, I do, but it's okay. I love it. I love listening to you speak. You're just so, um, from the moment I met you, I've been very impressed with the way that you present yourself and how articulate you are. And I say that every time I see you, <laughs> so <laughs> it's nothing new to you, but Thank to you. everyone else out there. Um, how do you pull yourself out and what do you do? Like, I know for some people, there's a tendency you can spiral down and you can let that spiral just take you further and further. Uh, but how, what are your techniques to kind of pull yourself out of that? So there, there are a few things realizing that it's temporary and one one of the things that i go back to is that you know when when i'm in say going into the spiral is that i i wanted this summer to be dedicated to me doing manual labor essentially my family we have a farm in yuma and uh so you know on the farm there's there's a lot of there's a lot of digging there's you know going out in the field and picking beans there's all of these things that you you know you do with your body and what I haven't been able to do for a good portion of my life has been using my body in that capacity. And I set myself up with, with this idea that I wanted to realize and wasn't able to. But there are so many things that, that I am able to do still. Uh, so one of the things that I do to pull myself out is write. Um, I am starting to write a book and uh, it's, it's been you know, kind of slow recently, but um, it's about self-doubt and I'm channeling what I'm feeling um, to not only help myself, but help other people. Uh, getting something down on paper can kind of, and, and with, with the mental framework of different characters, putting myself in different people's positions uh, helps me to pull myself out. Um, one of the things that has, hasn't really helped me is understanding, you know, someone else's perspective. Like, there are lots of people who are worse off, you know, um, I mean, children starving, uh, even just in our own community, like there are so many people with, with worse conditions than I am. But I, I, every time I think to myself, you know, this is my own life and uh, I'm still going through this regardless of other people who are going through worse. Um, but what I do to kind of, you know, um, tackle that issue is start to let go of, of my ego, of, me being, you know, stuck in this body by sitting outside and just meditating, trying to meditate um, and doing specifically this exercise called pranayam, which is uh, the breathing form of yoga. And pranayam is um, an amazing use in India for many, many hundreds of years. And uh, essentially, it's just all on controlling the breath, different breathing exercises. And it completely, it clears out a lot of the negativity um, that, say, I happen to have at that moment. It starts to fade away and I, and I become calm again. Uh, so that's, that's one of the things that, you know, is, has become invaluable um, o- over these past few months. 
I love that. The breathing, uh, we've been to a lot of workshops lately and I, and I, I always try and meditate. I can never get myself quiet enough, although I'm not, maybe not dedicating enough time to do it properly, but the breathing, I think you can do anywhere. So even if you're in class, like you would be mm -hmm. or driving, I think you can probably do it anywhere. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, it depends on what type of practice that you're doing. So Pranayam, the, the one that, uh, so in AHA in our uh, state meeting, right, the annual meeting, uh, one of the uh, doctors, Dr. Singh, I believe, uh, gave a presentation and integrated Pranayam into his talk. And uh, the form of Pranayam that he was uh, discussing was uh, just doing four uh, counts of intake on breath and then eight counts exhaling. Um, the Pranayam that I tend to practice, um, say, when I'm at home, uh, for it's, it's a one hour practice, uh, whereas, you know, Dr. Singh's practice is for five to 10 minutes. Uh, this practice you can't do on a, on a full stomach. Um, it has to be done five hours, um, after a meal, at least five hours. Uh, so th there's a lot of pushing out and flooding the brain with oxygen because, uh, you know, oxygen is essential to how the body governs. Uh, and repairs itself, regenerates. So forcing myself to go under that fight or flight response, and uh, that, that's one of the uh, practices that's for like 10, 15 minutes, is rapid exhalation for a continuous 10 minutes uh, floods my brain with oxygen and just, it, it gives me a lot of energy for the, for the rest of the day. Um, wow. And studies have shown that, you know, increasing, yeah, increasing oxygen uh, in the body has proven to have therapeutic benefits because that's what we use to metabolize, you know, so many of uh, so much energy. So there's lots of benefits with that. So it really, it really depends, you know, going back to your original question, it's, it's proven very beneficial. And so mm -hmm. what are your, some of your goals then since you weren't able to work the farm this summer, is that, that's still a goal that you're going to be able to get your body to that. So maybe next summer break, you can do that. Are you deciding uh -huh. that that's not something that you're going to want to try and attain? You know what? Um, yeah. Uh, luckily, you know, I'm in the position now where I'm starting to get better and uh, that's looking like a foreseeable goal again. Um, it's uh, I'm not bad enough to the point where, you know, I'm not able to walk at all or there, there is a point where I, I need to stop and it's preventative. Um, so it's all going to be within those limits, but uh, one of the goals that, that I have right now is, is just to evaluate and give my body what it needs. So by that, I mean properly exercise, um, try intermittent fasting. Uh, I, I just read up on it, and I'm very intrigued by you know, the, the concept of like kinostasis, which is the burning of fat as opposed to glucose. So I wanted to try that. Just do what I need to do to repair myself and get myself back on my feet. Like. I view, I view schools and, and grades as um, not necessarily irre uh, irrelevant, but in the grand scheme of things, when, when I'm 80 or when someone's like 80 or 90, you know, and they're, they're on their way out and there isn't what GPU had never really mattered in the, in the long run of it. And now I say this as someone who has a 4.0, it's, it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't give me, you know, what I need, what I, what I want uh, and what's good for me. Uh, what's good for me is is taking care of my body, understanding its limits, and uh, you know working around that. So just being healthy, you know, and also learning how to control 
uh, my impulse to want to do everything um, uh, and <laughs> manage time appropriate. <laughs> you have that impulse. Thank you. <laughs> yes. You are wise beyond your years, my friend. I was just talking to my husband about that, about I, I had a high GPA my entire college career. I went to college for a long time and I, I don't even use my degree. So it's just, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know why I was so stressed out about it. So Thanks. yeah, it's, I, and I, but I feel myself measuring my son. He's only in first grade, but for some reason, grades are very important to me for him as a measure of what he, you know, his potential, I guess, is what it is. But in the back of my mind, intellectually, I know the grades, especially the grading system we have here in the United States, doesn't really, doesn't really matter. It, it, what matters is bringing out his, his, his talent and what he is passionate about, which I believe that you find, I mean, you found a lot of passions and projects at the, at, at college where you are. There are, there are a lot of opportunities. Um, you get this in anywhere with a large enough setting where there are so many people who can have a positive influence and expose you to different ideas and uh, different concepts here. So like today I just juggled with realizing that this conference, this philosophy conference I wanted to go to is the same as my uh, chemistry test and I already booked the flight. So uh, realizing that <laughs> there are so many things out there, but they can, they can conflict and have devastating consequences. Mm -hmm. um, if, if you appropriately or allocate your resources, because I mean, we all have a finite number of resources, but like some of the leadership things that, that I'm doing, um, they're, they're helping me. And right now I'm able to, I found a fine line to the point where, you know, I'm able to go home and binge watch a show and be totally fine, um, you know, and not miss anything, which is what I'm doing right now. I'm binge watching The Handmaid's Tale. Absolutely oh, brilliant. So uh, amazing. <laughs> the book was amazing. The first movie. Have you, have you been watching it? Yeah. Oh, I've, oh, honey, I watched that like in two nights. <laughs> oh, the, the show, right? The, the, the show, one that came yeah. out on Hulu? Yeah. So anyway, we're digressing a little bit. So <laughs> let's get back to, I wanted to talk about advocacy. I thought I really like the way AHA does their annual meetings. I learn a lot. I think Cindy's great. And I think everyone in the community is so involved with the the chapter and they all play vital roles, especially the advocacy committee. Uh, can you tell me, when you go and talk to your representatives, I, a lot of people say that they, they're nervous or they don't know what to say or their story is not gonna matter. Can you give people kind of a general what maybe what you say so that you can yeah. hire other people to go? Sure, definitely. I mean, it's a it's a worthwhile experience because uh, say, you know, imagine the worst possible scenario. Uh, you're not able to speak, but you are able to listen. Um, that, that's absolutely critical. You know, with these people they're they're devoting the time to wanting to hear you as a, as a human being, uh, because they as a, you know, a congressman, congresswoman, they're up on the hill, you know, they, they're from all this and they have so many different interests that they're trying to pander to. Uh, and they are setting aside specifically the time to want to talk to you. So it should be them who's nervous. Um, to be able to talk to their constituents because we are the ones who hold them accountable. Um, now, whether or not that's necessarily, you know, expressed 100% of the times and say like the approval rating of Congress being lower than a cockroach, according to Gallup, uh, <laughs> is a, a different story. But they are still setting aside that time to want to talk. And, um, you know, I have some, I have some friends in uh, NYLI who are, ab who are absolutely terrified they were not confident in speaking. They did not want to go up there. They had no idea what to say. 
But they had amazing stories. Immigrated to this country with their family, wanted to become a hematologist for um, their family member who was affected by a bleeding disorder. And you know, that like that blew my mind because I, I'm coming at this as, a, as someone with a bleeding disorder, no interest in the health field except for learning about you know, treatments and how it betters people's lives, but actually helping people. I mean, that, that's an amazing thing to do. Like, there are just so many amazing stories that people have. And you can think that, you know, you aren't interesting, that um, your story isn't unique. But to, to a congressperson, yes, it is. It absolutely is. Um, because, you know, we, we can come at this in a viewpoint that, oh, we're just basing this off the entire community. But the entire community isn't going up there to speak. Only a select few people going up there to speak. And so you're representing the community. Uh, it's, it's something to be really honored for. Um, and, you know, whenever I go up there, I, it, it's not about me. It, it really isn't. Um, whenever I'm there, it's, it's about what the community's interests are, putting that first, because, you know, it positively affects all of our lives. And the, the general argument that I go there with is just giving my story, um, saying that, you know, as someone who almost died of childbirth, this is how it's affecting me. And when talking to anyone, um, there's a value exchange, you know, going back and forth. Um, there's a general sense of entitlement that I feel is, you know, really crept into its way in American politics. What, whether or not, you know, we're pandering to a specific demographic is, uh, there are many demographics and it's all pandering. But, uh, no one is entitled to, I think, anything in a personal context. Uh, however, that means that you can present your own value to someone else in a conversation. So like in the case of you know, going up on the hill, um, I present my value as a contributing member of society, as a voter, as an educated, informed civi um, citizen fulfilling my civic duty. And they are the person with power. They want to hear my story. So I'm offering that perspective to them. I'm offering, um, and if they're on my side, I'm offering them leverage. I'm offering them something that they can use to convince other representatives that they can keep in their mind and say, oh, you know what? I have a reason now for this. I have a face to put to the name. Um, and that's exactly what we offer them. Uh, so don't go thinking that just because someone has a title, that means that you're any less of a person. It means you have all the power in the world. Hmm, very nice. That's it. That is it. What, uh, so when we went up there, uh, Grayson's six, so he was a little, oh, I'm sorry, hang on, I'm going to cut that out. When we went up there, my son is six, and so he wasn't behaving properly, and he was kind of running around, and I was trying to tell my story while also watching him, but I realized uh, that what we could do, that may have not been the most powerful uh, talk that I had ever given when I went to the lunch on the lawn with AHA and talked to our representatives, but what I did to increase the power was uh, for us um, and give them more of a memory of us is my son wrote a thank you note. We sent it after the fact. We sent a picture mm -hmm. after the fact. So we're kind of dripping on them. Throughout oh, the amazing year. idea. Yeah. And I was thinking, is there anything that you do? Because we, I just want to keep them top of mind. And so they know, hey, I saw this little kid running around my office who had hemophilia. And he didn't really look like anything was wrong with him. I mean, we're, we're kind of lucky on that scale. My, what I'm trying to do with those representatives is make the connection of as he grows and how he is growing and how they are growing with him. 
So I, that's how we're kind of doing it because I'm a caretaker. What what other ways do you do it? Because they of kind of know you up there because you, you're very you're very active. So the other things that you can do, I really like what you said about you know passing out um, you know sending emailing uh, or writing a physical note with the picture. Uh, the picture idea I've never I haven't heard in recently. I don't remember it, but you know I really like that um, and. Once you send it, it gets vet, you know, and scanned for any viruses or, you know, any of that stuff. Um, uh, there's about a two-week delay. So sometimes people can, you know, forget. But a picture, I think, would help them remember, you know, what, what it was you met them for, aside from saying what it is that you met them for. But something that I like to do is uh, get in touch with the staff specifically. The staff uh, is the gateway to any representative. They are the ones who handle scheduling. They're the ones who handle events. They're the ones who set out policy proposals, who talk, um, who craft legislation, uh, everything that except for the face and the actual speaking, uh, which is what the representative does. They're the ones who do the rest of it. So uh, those are the people, you know, to keep a, a friendly relationship with, I think an ongoing dialogue with. Um, and th that's what I try to do. You know, whenever I get someone's card, I email them uh, immediately and just say, you know, thank you for the meeting, da, 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 da. And, you know, they get back to me pretty promptly. Something that I also like to mention is that, you know, we'd like to advertise this for you as a, as a thank you for meeting with us uh, and send it out and blast it on their Twitter. So that way, you know, they're, they're getting positive publicity out of it. Um, yeah, that's so, great. Yeah, for the office. Um, so th there's lots of things that people can do. Um, but yeah, definitely those two things, the mailing of physical, physical stuff, because no one does that anymore. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I got a, I got a, um, something in the mail recently, a happy birthday card, uh, because mine was on the 18th and, yeah. uh, I, I don't even know who it was from. It was like a Taylor Wang and I, I couldn't find that person anywhere. Huh. <laughs> not on Facebook, not on email. Yeah. That, it's really weird. Yeah. Hey, but it was a, but it stands out and now you're looking for this person. Yeah, no, I still remember <laughs> their name. So that's, that's all that needs to be said. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Those are good tips. These are all good tips. So, uh, what is your plan then? Cause I know Arizona, we're on a big advocacy, uh, kick, which I don't think it should ever stop. I mean, there's, there's so, there's so many things that we can be top of mind for. I know that, you know, this bill had just been defeated, but it's, it's going to come back. Something's going to come back. So for sure. Yeah. How do you um, give people like the courage or what steps do you tell them to take to just be involved or to to get the courage up to even send an email? Some people just think that they don't even have time to do that. You know, at a, at a certain point, they're the ones who end up deciding whether or not they want to go through with it. But something that's great is peer pressure, positive peer pressure, might I add. <laughs> uh, so doing it all as a group. And uh, so that way they are not feeling like they're putting aside to actually they're doing with, with other people. So it doesn't, you know, have that, have that mental, um, the mental impression as something that I'm using time for. Uh, and that, that very much helps. Yeah, um, something that I'm doing now is, uh, yeah, yeah, is getting involved with the nonprofit side of it. Uh, so what I'm, what I want to work with Cindy on is uh, grant writing. And, uh, you know, that's incredibly important that we, AHA is very fortunate in that we have many resources that uh, other chapter foundations simply don't. Um, like there, we have a staff of eight people and they're paid. Uh, we have lots of volunteers and uh, there's some just associations and foundations, you know, statewide um, across the nation who only have one person and they're a volunteer. Right. It's, 
yeah so it's, it's it's all you know in the context of like how we can distribute that resource and how we can run these programs that, that involves everyone that it gets them interested so like you know chapters without that resource might not be able to even do that they might not they probably won't be able to encourage people to get the confidence to you know go to the legislature to advocate to do all these things so it all it all into funding i mean everything ties back into funding um and learning how to contribute yeah uh time and money and energy is is critical are you are you active on social media with your hemophilia or do you just keep that as a separate part of your life See, um, here's the, there's a very fine line with that. And, um, what, what I like to do, I mean, I am a proud hemophiliac, but that doesn't necessarily mean I go on social media and say that, oh, I'm, you know, I have to do this. Oh, I have to infuse. Oh no, I'm hurt. All of that is put on the sidelines. Uh, what's important is the action that, uh, we're taking, uh, to achieve something, to accomplish something. So, advocacy days you know put it out there on social media helping i'm proud to be able to help the bleeding disorders community in accomplishing these goals there's no reason to mention that i'm a hemophiliac in that context um if someone asks me of course you know i'm a hemophiliac like oh, that's who i am uh, or that's one of the aspects of my personality and like what me um but there's no ask yourself what's necessary um uh, versus what what you want, or I, I would say, yeah. um, or well, what's what's the best, you know, um, decision in that context. Mm-hmm. So it, it it depends, but in general, I I like to keep as a rule of thumb not to publicize it unless it's needed. Right, spurring an action in others or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, I still have to come visit your family's farm because you know I'm all about saving the animals. Uh, Yes. What else? <laughs> you have a ton of projects now. So what are you currently working on besides this book, which I'm very excited? Uh, what else can mm-hmm. we look forward to from you? Sure. Um, so, see, that, that's a difficult question because that requires a, uh, a long-term plan, which I have many of, but <laughs> narrow focus in one of those plans. So, uh, um, but but since you mentioned my family's farm and you know our nonprofit and whatnot, um, I'll just I'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, so yeah, my family has a farm in in Yuma, Arizona. We uh, raise cows and uh, give them a completely cruelty-free lifestyle, uh, rescue them from slaughter, and um, we we keep them you know in a, in an enclosed area for the night. And by day, they're roaming the premises of uh, three acres, you know, completely free. And uh, they come in by their own volition, you know, every time it's evening. Like sometimes they wait inside the pen, uh, ready for my dad to just close. Uh, <laughs> so these are animals who know they have a home, but they're free to do what, what they want to do. Awesome. Um, so, we, yeah, we have cows, we have goats, chickens, uh, peacocks. Now we're raising. We have five peacocks who are starting to, um, uh, you know, undergo se- sexual dimorphism. So they're they're. Yeah, they're they're starting to show off whether or not they're male or female. Um, so it, that's really that's really enjoyable because now we're seeing like personality changes and it's absolutely amazing. Like they they poop everywhere though. They poop everywhere. <laughs> it's it's like we we're, we're so do we keep the poop where it is drying or do we use a pressure washer and then uh, damage the concrete? Right. So <laughs> you know, give or take. What's the name of the uh, profit uh, in case we anyone wants to donate? 
Yeah, definitely. So Unati Farms is the uh, is a nonprofit, um, or Unati Compassion. I'm sorry, uh, Unati Compassion. That's uh, Unati means progress in Sanskrit, um, and Unati is spelled U uh, N N A T I. Um, and you know, we we came at this you know from a vision of uh, a Jain Jain philosophy, and uh, Jainism is a religion in India which practices uh, vegetarianism and pacifism. And, uh, you know, just honoring kind of the tradition and bringing it here to the States to teach people who might not know about the religion or the culture, but still share and the same value ideals or want to learn how they can embody those value ideals. There are lots of people who want to become vegetarian or vegan, but don't know how. And we want to also show, show them, you know, through firsthand experience, why animals are worth keeping alive rather than dead and on someone's plate. And also how you can actually do that and not, you know, under no um, health consequences, you know, like thinking that mac and, macaroni and cheese is how you become a vegetarian and for three meals a day. Right. Um, help them go through that transition. Uh, so we've we've gotten some donations recently. Yeah, no, it's 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 a really it's it's rewarding. And I'm not the one who's spearheading any of this. I mean, I'm here uh, at college. Um, but my, my family, they've, they've really taken this, you know, to their hearts and are moving forward with it. And I, I try to do what I can you know, help them. But the, the most important thing is, is, uh, what we're trying to do. We have some, we have some goals right now. And so, uh, you know, on the next tier of funding, we want to get heating and cooling, you know, for the animals. So that way during the summer, uh, they're not dying out of, are really dying, but, um, right, right. they're not yeah, exhausted because of the heat. Yeah. Um, and, and during the winter, I mean, it's not too bad in Yuma because it's Yuma, um, but just giving them a comfortable temperature range and then uh, also rescuing more cattle. Uh, we want to rescue water buffaloes. We want to rescue um, many, many animals and help them live to a ripe old age. Yes. Um, and that's the nonprofit. Um, and then there's Unity Farms, which uh, we have a business for. Uh, and what we do is we grow, produce, and process Moringa oleifera, which is a uh, known as. That's a miracle oh. tree. Yeah, go ahead on. Yeah, no, I was about to say. I love it. <laughs> I didn't know that you did that. Yeah, no. Oh, okay. Well, this is great. Uh, yeah, so we grow all that, and uh, now I, since I know that you know about this, I can give you some some powder. I oh, actually yeah. have a bunch of extra powder. Um, so what we do is we, we, we sell the bean pods and also process the, uh, the leaves in there. And, uh, the powder is something that we, we give to people, uh, that, you know, want it or need it. it, it it's, we sell it a little bit, but the main intention with that is, is to help people. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we've seen amazing, amazing things you know, happen. Like people have gotten off their high blood pressure medication, Yeah. you know, because of this. It's and it's incredible. Amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, no, it's it's great stuff, and uh, it's super healing. Uh, gives a, a lot of people energy during the day. Uh, helps with high blood pressure, cholesterol. Uh, has 19 out of 20 essential amino acids. Uh, just very good stuff overall. And so we're we're currently you know, at the point of starting to expand the farm, and you know we've been practicing for so many years, uh, growing this plant to perfect the plant and the best value to the customer possible. Um, and, you know, awesome. happy trees, these these trees are completely, you know, their own thing. And we, we try to keep a positive energy whenever we step into the farm. You know, 
we don't we don't allow anyone to to smoke on the premises to do do anything with any negative energy like if if someone had a bad you know had some falling out or something uh the fall uh, the previous day they shouldn't come to the farm because that thing can it can affect the it can affect the trees in our view and you know it's it's also our our view viewpoint that knowing that there's someone negative you know on the farm then you know that can negatively impact um the trees and then that can lead to you know all of that all us sharing that view that they might have i I need Um, that view in my household and when i'm driving down the streets okay do you have a do you have space to grow uh trees yes i do okay excellent because uh, I just asked my mom to send over a bunch of seeds, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a bunch of seeds to grow uh, trees, and then I'll help you the process. That would be amazing. So that way you can have your own. Yeah, uh, it'll take about a year to to fruit, but these things they grow they can grow up to 20 feet. That's what I've heard. Uh, tall. Yeah. And you can eat every yeah, no, part of it, right? Or you can use every part of this tree, right? Well, uh, uh, kind of. Um, so the bark is the or the root mass is is a little bit. Yeah, you know, um, is debated on. So ah. the the root mass contains a compound that has shown toxicity in people, but there's a decanting process. There's a process to you know get it out of the water, um, or get it out of the root mass, excuse me, uh, and able to use it. But there are varying levels of this compound per tree, so it's something that'll you know being researched on. But there are communities that completely this stuff. After it's been processed. See, this is why I, we are we were meant to be friends because everything you do is exactly <laughs> what I would like to attain in my life. <laughs> Your outlook. Excellent. And you can you can provide me direction okay. because that's what I'm. <laughs> I can actually. I'm very good at that. <laughs> uh, Excellent. So how many? So okay, let's talk about direction. How many words a day did you set for yourself to write on your book? Uh, I don't like the words per day thing <laughs> because that <laughs> of means not. that I. <laughs> No, um, uh, what uh, I, I watched this TED talk and uh, it was really good about you know how how one can write up and still work on it every day without going under these excuses of oh I'm not doing this. Uh, and what they said was I'm going to work on this book every day, and that was their goal. Whether it's five minutes or two hours, they set a goal that I'm going to give time to this, and then eventually it was done, and they felt really good about it. So setting goals that are smart, measurable, attainable, uh, realistic, and time-sensitive. Um, realistic being the crucial factor here. It's not realistic to say, I want to do a thousand words every day mm-hmm. uh, because of all of the other um, things competing Yeah, for my time. Um, but try, I, I, I'm still bad at like, you know, setting time every day, but I'm trying to like, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, um, cross that, cross that obstacle of even setting five minutes um, every day. The five minutes is key. I just was, as as soon as you said that, I was like, that's genius because once you start that, that's the hurdle. It's just the starting. So if it's only five minutes, you can do anything for five minutes, applying that in all other areas of our life. Okay. Uh, Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. No, there. Yeah. All all I'm saying, I'm just talking about all of these things that other people have come up with that (laughs) are just absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it's amazing um, that, you know, it, even even crossing that boundary, that threshold of I'm going to open this and actually do it, even if it's five minutes, which may not seem like there's much utility there. It completely is because of how you're positioning it in your mind. Yeah, absolutely. OK, so. 
because I'm sure everyone is now fascinated with you, uh, is there any way, in case anyone has any questions about uh, the farm or how you deal with hemophilia or how to get into advocacy, is there a way that they can contact you that you're comfortable with? Yeah, definitely. Um, so my uh, contact email is B as in uh, boy, A as in apple, F as in Frank, N as in Nancy, A as in apple, at uh, email.arizonafullword.edu. Uh, okay. uh, that's my school email. Feel free to get in touch with me there. And, uh, you know, if, uh, well, what I'm, uh, what I want to do um, long term, one of my goals is uh, to become a public speaker, a motivational speaker. And, uh, you know, tying in all of these aspects of uh, my life, but also the fact that there are just so many people who have contributed to my outlook. Um, I want to take that and be a catalyst for positive change in other people's lives. So if there's any opportunity like that that any of you guys have, uh, feel free to get in touch with me and uh, we can definitely set something up. Uh, I believe that you will achieve that 100%. Thank uh, you. I, I appreciate that. Remember me. Remember where you got your first, one of your first speaking gigs is on the podcast <laughs> definitely <laughs> yes go hemos unite <laughs> awesome well i would love to have you back on as you continue to grow is that would that be all right as a returning guest next year or oh, in a few months or yeah no i would love that perfect yeah Wonderful. well thank you i'll be you a so completely much. different person by then i you know what and i can <laughs> tell i can tell the difference when you said that there has been a change this year i can see the change so it's wonderful that you're growing and, and open to that if, if only we all were. <laughs> Thank you so much. Is there anything else that you wanted to add? I know you, we could talk for hours, but. I'm yeah, sure. Uh, Maddie's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> continue to watch her podcast and share it. Aww. Hashtag. Oh, you're amazing. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much. And we will talk to you soon. All right. Definitely. Thank you, Maddie. Right. Isn't he amazing? Don't you guys love him? Okay. So everyone reach out if you have questions or just want to be his buddy because he's cool. Um, I want to thank Chaitan again. You're awesome. I want to thank Shire for hosting our podcast. Since the first modern treatments for bleeding disorders were developed, Shire's been there advancing therapy and resources with ongoing support for the community. Shire's committed to improving the lives and health of people with bleeding disorders through community partnership and leading investments in research. Shire will continue to strive for their ultimate goal, a life free of bleeds but full of dreams. To learn more about Shire, please visit bleedingdisorders.com and we will see you guys next time on the pod. Bye everyone.